Today in the studio we have Rod Taylor, a volunteer at Radio 1RPH, and Sue Dore. Sue Dore is from Better Hearing, ACT, and Rod is... Well, I'm a a member of uh, Better Hearing. Both of you suffer from hearing loss in different ways. Sue, would you like to tell us how you discovered your hearing loss? Well, when I was young at school... I was lucky that I had a... uh, They used to have this program uh, where we had to have a health check. And uh, I can still remember this doctor with this great big alarm clock uh, saying, now, when can't you hear it? And she looked a little bit concerned and apparently I couldn't hear very far. So my mother took me off to the doctor and I had my ears syringed. And then the next year, I had my same medical. The big clock came out, and the same place, I couldn't hear it. And so then um, I had to go to an ear, nose and throat specialist, and I had a reasonably severe hearing loss. And that's when I started my life of wearing hearing aids. Rod, can we go over to you? When did you first discover your hearing loss? Yeah, ten years ago I had pretty much normal hearing and one day I went to work, I had a slight head cold, I felt a little bit off, but you know, not nearly bad enough to stay at home. And then after a day or so I noticed my hearing on my right side was reduced and uh, didn't worry about it for, to begin with. So I went to the doctor and she said, I'll go and get your hearing tested. <laughs> And uh, so eventually I went, all right, I went, and yes, I had fairly moderate hearing loss in the, on the right side. And then since then, I've had progressive decline in my hearing, and even in the last few months, I'm going downhill rapidly, and I now am severely hearing impaired, and I cannot survive without hearing aids. And uh, I do also rely on the services of uh, people like Sue who have helped me from Better Hearing Australia and uh, I try to lip read as much as I can but uh, yeah my hearing is terrible Sue Sue thank you um, please tell us about Better Hearing and you're very much involved in that this organisation is it Better Hearing ACT? Better Hearing Canberra right well I lived my life trying to be a hearing person but having a hearing loss and that because you can't hear very well I mean it's an invisible handicap people expect you to be able to hear especially when you're younger and uh, and when you don't react with how you're they expect you to react they don't instantly say okay you've got a hearing loss they think maybe deaf and dumb so that impacts on your life that um you know you become more nervous because you don't you don't think you hear properly and i would say that it actually impacted on the work i i would do but when i came to canberra and someone said, I, I, um, I'm taking lip reading classes. I thought, I'll go along to that. And suddenly there I was in a group of people 
who all had a hearing loss, and I remember Joy, who was the teacher, saying, it's, it's normal to feel tired when you've got a hearing loss. And that was a revolution, revelation to me because my mother had always said, Sue, there's something wrong with you. You're always tired. And she used to give me all these things to sort of pick me up and everything and when your mother says that well it must be true but because we're working so hard with having a hearing loss you're anticipating looking at body language you and sort of filling in all the gaps no wonder you get very tired so that changed my life and I became a member of Better Hearing. That's a, a really interesting point you raised there, Sue, about the effort you need to go through just to hear or to interpret what people are saying. So if you take, say, a string of words and someone's speaking, when you've got hearing loss, you have to try and figure out what word you just missed it, right? So someone goes, the quick drops over the lazy dog, and you're going, oh, that'd be fox and lazy dog. And by the time you've done that, the conversation conversation's now gone on another 10 words. So you're working feverishly hard just to stand still and keep up with other people. So your ability to interpret what people say, to read their body language and, uh, and lip reading, and you're using all sorts of cues, uh, the inflection of their voice, for example. So they might sound slightly cross or concerned, and you're going, oh, I think that means... And, and the great temptation, and maybe Sue will comment on whether this is a good one or not, is you go... I think they've just said that, and so I'll assume that they have. Sometimes you say, can you repeat? I didn't hear. Other times you just make a best guess. Yes, that's actually exactly right, because you can't keep saying, I beg your pardon, what are this? I anticipate all the time. Sometimes you get it right, and sometimes you get it wrong. But because I tell everybody... That I have, most people, I've got a hearing loss. They realise that I've just made the wrong choice because we do things like in the lip reading class. But mm, so if I said, I'm saying Pat, Bat, and Matt, they all look exactly the same on the lips. So you have to sort of try and get it into context. But every now and again, in a noisy situation, you get it wrong. Now, Sue, you've really responded in a positive way to your impairment. And I, I'm not sure I want to use the word disability, but it, but it is a disability for both of us. But you've used your disability in a way to, to do something positive for other people. And I can remember going to the first class with you and you said something which sticks with me. And that was, in this room, we never have to explain that we can't hear. And that was enormously helpful. But you actually were awarded a gong. You have a gong for your, your contribution. Can you, t- can you tell us about that? Well, I was very lucky to be recognised for the work that I do with the hearing impaired. And the thing that really impressed me is when I went along to Government House, they, they realised that I had a hearing loss and they put a loop in for me so I could hear what everyone was saying. And normally when people are being... You wait outside the door to sort of your name and you come in. They realise that I wouldn't hear that, so they change what they do normally. So everyone actually came in and, and, and then received their, their medal. And I felt that was very special, making me feel the same as everybody else. 
Well, having having been to Sue's classes and see how people respond and the feeling of community, of a shared value, of something that affects us all, that it makes a big contribution. And, and that's why I was such a strong believer in, this, in the service of better hearing. Uh, but we've, we've both responded in our own ways to what we've done. So I, uh, I write for the newspaper, I write a science column, and so I slip in items about hearing when I can and uh, give a plug to better hearing. Uh, but funny little things like why do we have the funny wriggly shapes in our outer ear? What are those things are there for? I mean, they're not just there to, to make your ear look interesting. They actually have a purpose. <laughs> why do we have the wriggly bits in the outside of our ear? Uh, the, <laughs> the answer is uh, it helps you to pick the direction of a sound. So if a sound's coming from up or, be- or below or left or right, the main way you, you pick the direction of a sound is, is the slight delay between the two ears. But there's a very complicated folds in the outer ear and it constantly of puts a signature on the direction that the sound comes from and your brain can go, ah, in fact, I have a friend who is profoundly deaf in one ear, and I try clicking my fingers around his head and with his eyes closed to say, show me, you know, can you point to where my finger is? And he had a fair idea because of, because of the shape of his ear. Sue, do you have hearing aids? I do. I wear two hearing aids. I put them in first thing in the morning and I take them out last thing at night. And if I take them out for any reason during the day, my brain goes into overdrive. What's happened to all the sounds? What's going on? Where's the saber-toothed tiger? So I have to keep them in all the time. Otherwise, I feel quite stressed. I love them. So you wouldn't get those specified hearing aids perhaps just from a learning a hearing aid place? I do, yes. Or do you go to a specialist? I think Rod went to a specialist. Well, I mean, originally, when I was first diagnosed with my hearing loss, I went to an ear, nose and throat specialist mm. to have a diagnose that could I have an operation or not, which I did actually have an operation uh, in my early 20s. Um, I had a stapedectomy operation where the tiny little bone in the ear calcified up and they actually put a little prosthesis in. And that was wonderful for about 20 years. I had good hearing in one ear, but my um, otosclerosis is a disease of the bone and that slowly moves into the cochlea so um, I now have to have the hearing aids and they're wonderful Sue that's otosclerosis that's right O-T-O sclerosis don't ask me to spell it that's an amazing operation Yes, it's like it's it, in those days. It was like the cochlear implant is today. That was the, you know, the the life changing operation, and it did change my life for twenty years. I suddenly realised in one ear how much easier life was being able to hear. And Rod, what is the cause of your hearing loss? Well, my, my, my hearing is a little bit different to Sue's because I had normal hearing up to about 10 years ago. My problem is in the cochlea. So just a really 
lightning description of the uh, the anatomy of the ear. So there's the outer ear that collects the sound, goes into a funnel, and then hits the eardrum, and then hits the little bones, which are essentially a lever mechanism, and that's where Sue's problem is, and that pumps the fluid that's inside the cochlea. So the cochlea is the inner ear, a little snail-shaped organ about the size of a pea, and it's lined with sensor cells, and so it's filled with fluid, and the little bones pump the fluid inside the cochlea. So for some reason, the hair sensor cells have been damaged in my cochlea, and that's called sensorineural sensor. Yeah. I can't sensory, pronounce it. Sensory, sensory neural, neural. <laughs> sensory neural hearing loss, and that's not fun. <laughs> Rod, did you have um did you have an accident to your ear, or you hit your ear, or something? Why did it start? What was the trigger? Yes, the trigger. no one knows. Really, uh, initially I thought it was a minor virus or something, and it does happen, a virus or autotoxic drugs. So I have heard people say how they've been in for surgery and the, the drugs have attacked the inner ear. Uh, in my case, I thought it was a virus. Uh, I've had now a couple of specialists say that it's genetic, but to me that's a code word for we don't know because the, the whole genetics of hearing is really unknown at this stage, but it's as good a theory as any. Could I just add to that? We find that very loud noise is the absolutely the worst thing that can actually happen to your hearing. That will damage the little hairs in your ear. And this, what's happened to Rod, once they're damaged, it can't come back. So we're a great advocate of protecting your ears at all times. And when I stop at a light and this car next to me is vibrating, I want to throw them at one of my little brochures and say, you're going to need, need us in the not-too-distant future. So our ears are so precious. They have to be looked after. Well, when you think about what the ear mechanism is doing, it's fantastically sensitive. So the vibration of the width of an atom at the eardrum, it's that fine. And then uh, that's a tiny, tiny amount of sound. And contrast that with a really loud sound, like of a door slamming or a gun going off or whatever, your ear can cope with that. But you should think about it as being the finest crystal glassware that your grandmother sent you or gave you. You wouldn't put that in your pocket, go running around a football field, but that's what we do with our ears. And as Sue says, someone's in the car next door. There was a guy in my backyard, and he's got a chainsaw going full bore, no ear protection. No, so he's pumping 110 decibels straight into his ear, and he's going to be looking for better hearing one day in his life because you're going to damage it. And once you, once you damage your hearing, it doesn't come back. Gosh, it's, thank you very much. What I'd like, Sue, is do you have a contact number for better hearing? Yes, I do. It's 62514713. And at what point in their diagnosis or realisation... If somebody is deaf or going deaf, do they call you? Well, we have people coming along to the classes often who have got a hearing loss, but they're not quite ready to get hearing aids. So they like to come along, learn a bit about 
lip reading and everything, chat to other members in the class, find out about hearing aids and maybe, you know, their experiences. And then they will, with that information, they will go and get hearing aids because we, we are... We want people to be successful hearing aid users and you often find that people can wait up to nine years from when they should get hearing aids to when they get hearing aids because people don't like to have that. They seem to think somehow that this is a stigma where people will wear glasses and that's a fashion statement. But hearing aids, unfortunately haven't got that same fashion statement. Even though now I love seeing little children with those purple hearing aids and, and you know, flaunting them, which is wonderful. Thank you so much, Sue Dorr from Better Hearing Canberra and Rod Taylor from... Canberra. Mars. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you both. Thank you.